coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss rabid cybercriminals use raccoon malware, a new popular information stealer. Next up, I've got a funny eeling about this, charities fished by threat actors, and finally our third round of Two Truths and a Lie. Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 30, recorded on October 28th, 2019. I'm your co-host, Kelsey Punstress LaBelle. With me, co-host Emily, advanced persistent treat, pumpkin emoji, hacker. And last but not least, Sean Trash Panda McNee. Woo! You have a pumpkin emoji? I sought that out. It's a jack-o'-lantern, actually, because it is... um, Halloween time. That was my Halloween voice. It's a great Halloween voice. I, I didn't know that the emojis were like allowed in, in these things. Like You know what? I quote. didn't ask permission. I figured if it wasn't allowed, I would just ask forgiveness. And lo and behold, it's allowed. Actually, um, this would be a great opportunity while we're on air here to ask for forgiveness. I would like this recorded. No. <laughs> All right. Well, lots to get to. Happy Halloween, everyone. You're hearing this the day before the grand events, before your sugar crash fully envelops you. That's just every day for me. That's true. Um, Just another another day. (laughs) Spooky sugar crash. (laughs) All right. So our first article is rabid cyber criminals use raccoon malware. So a new information stealer dubbed Raccoon is rapidly gaining popularity with cybercriminals. In just a few months, researchers say the malware has already infected hundreds of thousands of devices across the world to rove through victims' credit card data, email credentials, and more. So Emily, perhaps a good place to start is with the malware itself. So can you tell us a little about its characteristics and why it's such a popular malware? Sure. So... um First of all, let's call out that a raccoon is a trash panda, is it not? It is indeed. Yes. So trash pandas, raccoons. Yeah. It it feels <laughs> slightly sad that Sean is not the one. The trash panda himself is not the one going to discuss this, but I'll well, do it for I, him. I chose the name in honor of this, oh, I but see, you I can see. still talk about it. We okay. were told by Shamus, shout out to Shamus here at Domain Tools, that the cool kids called them trash pandas and then pulled up some memes and thus inspired... Sean. I see, I see. (laughs) Well, this malware will soon be renamed Trash Panda, I'm sure, but as the time of this recording, it is still Raccoon. And so it's popular for a number of reasons, not the least of which should be the adorable nature of the little Raccoon icon. Have you seen it? It is very cute. I do like that you're calling it a Raccoon. What is it? I say Raccoon, you say Raccoon. Data, data. Tomato, tomato. Potato, potato. Fish, fish. (laughs) No, go on. It's much cuter. I like how you're saying it. Okay, now I'm very (laughs) self-conscious of it. And I don't know how I was saying it or how I'm supposed to say it. Um, The trash panda icon is very cute. Um, But other than that, speaking about the malware itself, it is popular because it's really easy for tech neophytes to to successfully use. So it's an info stealer, as you mentioned, capable of stealing um, credit card data, cryptocurrency wallets, usernames, passwords, emails, browser data, cookies, system information, you name it, it might be able to steal it. 
Um, and that's a lot of information that wannabe criminals might be interested in getting their hands on. Um, and this malware gives them a way to do that, even if they aren't technically inclined. Uh, in addition to that, numerous users of the malware have left really positive reviews, stating that the seller was very responsive to inquiries and had even made some changes on the fly when a user reported a bug. Uh, apparently, the criminal market, just like any market, responds more positively to an item for sale when it has good reviews and a good business model, and raccoon malware has both of those. Oh, the raccoon malware. So cute. So devastating. Actually, have you heard a raccoon mom when it has its little raccoon babies? Because it's terrifying. I have not. I was camping with my dog, and um, the nice lady at the campground told us to keep a very close eye and that the raccoons would basically kill my dog because it was a recent recent mother. They're not as cute when they're so scary, and those opposable thumbs become so much more concerning. I was going to (laughs) say, I have a a good friend who knew someone that had a pet raccoon, and apparently... Mm. I don't remember the full story, but it was somewhat of a nightmare because the opposable thumbs meant you can't just like put it in a regular like dog crate because it can open that bad boy up because it has thumbs and they look like little human hands. Have you looked at a raccoon hand? They are cute until they are terrifying. Yeah. So anyways, watch out for the <laughs> trash pandas. So trash pandas provide good customer support? Apparently. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to, to bring it back to the malware. <laughs> right. The thing at hand. Yes. Thank you, Sean. Which, speaking of, what happens when the malware is successfully installed on a machine? Uh, Well, first of all, this malware is delivered in a couple of different ways, including via the Fallout exploit kit and by phishing emails that contain malicious Word document attachments that contain malcros, which you may remember are malicious macros. (laughs) It's going to be a thing. Um, Once the malware is downloaded onto the machine, it unpacks itself in memory and connects to its C2 server, and then it downloads a compressed zip file with multiple different DLLs. Finally, the malware checks to see if the machine's local language settings include um, a variety of languages, including Russian, uh, Ukrainian, those that area of the world. And if it does so, the malware does not run, which is not unusual for malware that is made by Russian individuals or people in that part of the world. Once all that is done and the malware is finally ready to go, uh, it uses a few different methods to start pulling information from an infected machine and storing it in a temp folder. So it can take screenshots, steal system information, um, browser info from a huge list of browsers, um, Outlook accounts, and more. And then all of that information that it steals in various ways, it'll just zip up and, and exfiltrate it to the C2. And then the malware um, deletes itself off the machine, self-destructs, if you will. Boom. Well recounted, Emily. And so um, is there any other information around sort of the, the origin story of our friend, the raccoon, except not our friend, our enemy? <laughs> <laughs> yes. One of my favorite aspects about this report from Cyber Reason is actually how in-depth they go into the origins of this malware. Rather than just doing a technical analysis, they talk a lot about the um, individual who may be behind it and, you know, like I said, it's origin. So shout out Cyber Reason. According to Cyber Reason, the malware author is a Russian guy known as Gladoff um, with a zero uh, on various shady forums. That's his handle. He has made, I assume he has made, um, he or she has made other malware variants before, including Decrux and Acrux. 
crypto miners, the mimosa rat, so uh, a man after my own heart, <laughs> and the proton bot loader. It was first launched in April of this year. So they determined he was Russian a couple different ways, One, not the least of which is which I think at the end of one of the posts on a shady forum, he said, like, love from Russia or something like that. <laughs> so it's like, okay, dude's probably Russian. But yeah, it, this guy is no stranger to malware authoring, and he is the um, genius behind all of this. I think we should start a new segment on this series. It's sort of like Marvel Origins <laughs> of uh, famous threat actors. Gladoff 1, Gladoff 2, Gladoff Civil War. <laughs> it all started when he was bit by a raccoon. <laughs> now here we are. <laughs> yeah, well, the interesting thing, though, as soon as this raccoon thing launched, like, Gladoff, like, kind of disappeared from a lot of the forums, right? Like He did, yeah. I, I, Gladoff. Perfect. Ooh, like the mic drop, mic off. drop yeah. Kelsey just motioned with her hand, <laughs> just so all you listeners at home know. <laughs> yeah, he did. So that was in April of this year. Um, and he stopped posting in a lot of forums right around the same time that it was released. So he likely started posting as this malware. Maybe he's just trying to reduce his screen time. You know, we could all deal <laughs> with a little less screen time, my friends. Oh, man. Okay, so taking a step back... I'd love to discuss malware as a service, which has mass appeal. Um, so why should defenders <laughs> let, sorry, do you want to grunt again at that pun? Ugh. Well the done. groan. That's what I, groan. That's a much better way to say it. That's weird. Thank you for that groan, John. So why should defenders be concerned about malware as a service? And what are some ways to help keep organizations safe? Yeah, so malware as a service is something that defenders should be concerned about because it expands their threat landscape um, a lot more than just traditional one-off malware. So even though the malware variants involved in malware as a service, like Raccoon, are not always the most sophisticated, they are easy to use and are widely adopted, meaning that your organization may be pummeled with it. Um, this one, for example, features an easy-to-use automated back-end panel, bulletproof hosting, and as we've mentioned before, the very nice 24-7 customer support in both Russian and English. Shout out Gladoff for learning English, maybe? I don't know. Um, oh, and on top of all that, it only costs 200 bucks a month. So presumably you're making more than 200 bucks a month off of the stuff you sell, so then hopefully you're making a profit. Um, but like I said, this is not sophisticated, and if this were kind of a one-off thing that you were just getting occasionally, I think it would be one of those that you just kind of roll your eyes at and delete. But if you, if a bunch of people are adopting this because it's malware as a service, then I can, I can see how it would quickly be something that is just bothering you every single day. So quantity, not quality? Correct. Um, Can you imagine like like a, a army of trash pandas just kind of like I, attacking your script house. Coons. Script coons. Script coons. Script coons. <laughs> yes, I can imagine an army of raccoons, and I think they look quite cute. So thanks for that. <laughs> as far as how to defend against this, um, I think that having up to date antivirus is probably the first step. I I know this one. It was called out in the cyber reason report that if you look on virus total a lot of antivirus have already detected it but it is you know glad and whoever else may be working on this are constantly updating it so that's just why having up-to-date antivirus is going to be important because as soon as it changes um it may require an updated signature from antivirus yeah and again great 
great work by Cyber Reason, just another shout out to them. Um, and so they conducted this research and they provided an estimated number of infections. So can you provide that, Emily, as well as um, you mentioned there were a lot of browsers that were targeted. So you don't need to name them all okay, off, maybe good. just a few. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So first of all, it does look like this malware has uh, affected over 100,000 endpoints worldwide within a few months. So as we mentioned, it came out in April. It's now October. And I don't know at what point in time Cyber Reason stopped counting to get to that 100,000 endpoint number. Um, as far as the browser said it can target, there's definitely a huge list, um, which is in the Cyber Reason report. But, you know, anything you can imagine. Chrome obviously is on there. Um, Pale just, Moon is my favorite. Pale Moon. Opera, who is using Opera? <laughs> Rock Melt, Sputnik. It's got, you know, Firefox and Vivaldi. Yeah. And- and all these other, you know, also other crazy ones, right? Superbird, Torch, Pale Moon, yeah. Elements. You cause media. Sea Monkey. Anyways, that's <laughs> a very fun list to read. And like I said, pretty much if you can think of it, if someone's using it, it's on this list. Um, and all in all, this has clearly been pretty widespread and successful uh, malware. And as the operators are continuing to make improvements to their product, I'm really only expecting this to grow. I don't necessarily expect it to kind of die off anytime soon unless the operator decides to uh, abandon support. Perfect. Thank you for that synopsis, Emily. And I think, you know, as usual, we try to transition from the impact of the particular campaign or attack into how disastrous this might look from a defender's perspective. So we do that through the demonstration of hoodies here. And so on a scale of zero to 10 hoodies, Mm -hmm. 10 hoodies being your server is on um, metaphorical fire and zero being you might be giggling happily back to your station to help remediate. Um, So, Sean, I'm going to start with you. Mm -hmm. How many hoodies are we looking at for this particular piece? Three and a half hoodies. Which half of the hoodie? That's important. Mm. Mm, The left half. Okay. Yes. Where do you put the extra? Never mind. Yeah. Well, so, you know, this one, I, I try to think about it and like, okay, so it's infecting a whole lot of people, but also is something that is caught by most kinds of endpoint protection, right? So it's one of those like, it's like spam. You're going to see it all over the place. Now, people get crazy and try to do some sort of encryption or packing on it, try and sneak it by things, then potentially it could be a, a bigger threat. But to me right now, it's like, it's like that annoying... You know, raccoon. Yeah, they just can't quite get. <laughs> but a good locked trash, you know, keeps the raccoons out. That's true. Very important. Lock your trash cans. Lock your antivirus. Lock your trash cans. Hide your kids. Hide your Wi-Fi. Emily, what do you think? I was planning on giving this a four, and I agree. I mean, I could be talked down to like a three or three and a half, but I was going with four. I agree. This is like the number of machines infected is high, but... The as you mentioned before, it was qual- quantity over quality, and I think the quality drags this one down from being um, any much higher of a threat than that. So it's it's a nuisance, but I don't think that necessarily this is something you need to jump out of your chair and immediately go hunting in your network for. Well said, well said, Sean and Emily. Can, can I do a uh, another shout out to Cyber Reason because I actually like listening to Malicious Life, the podcast, and it's pretty awesome. So, from one podcast to another, thank you. <laughs> Good call out, Sean. Okay, so moving on here <laughs> to um, I've got a funny Ealing about this. Charities fished 
by threat actors. So an ongoing phishing campaign is targeting the United Nations and several humanitarian aid organizations, including UNICEF and UN World Food, using landing pages, impersonating legitimate Microsoft Office 365 login pages. The first time this is ever happening, that Microsoft Office 365 is <laughs> phishing. Uh, so, Sean, before we dive into the technical elements of the particular campaign, can you speak to who has been targeted in a bit more depth than I just did in that summary above? Yeah, I'm not really a fan of people going after nonprofits, humanitarian aid organizations. Like, this is, to me, really not cool because this group seems to be targeting uh, two different sets of groups. One group is centered all around the United Nations. So that includes, you know, the UN itself, uh, the UN World Food Program, the UN Development Program, and UNICEF, among others. And the second set of uh, kind of attacks is other large aid organizations. So this includes the United States Institute of Peace, uh, Humanity Inclusion, which is one of the largest aid programs in France, uh, Concern Worldwide, again, uh, one of the largest programs but this time in Ireland, and the East-West Center. Uh, notably, this also targeted other groups, including University of California at San Diego and the Heritage Foundation. So yeah, this is uh, targeting a lot of high-profile groups. Yes, thank you for that summary, Sean. And what are some pieces of infrastructure discovered by Lookout Fishing AI who did this research? So shout out to them. And have they been used by actors in the past? Yeah, well, according to uh, Lookout, the infrastructure used here was pretty small and self-contained. The attacker has only used two domains and a few IP addresses uh, to perform the attack. So these domains, which include uh, session-services.com and service-ssl-check, Com, uh, are currently now blacklisted. Um, and our data that we've looked at suggests that these domains um, have been active on and off since January of this year and were still active as of last Friday. But thankfully, yes, they are blacklisted now and are no longer any kind of a concern. Uh, the IP addresses, so the AS that the IP, IP addresses came from have been known to be of low reputation, according to Lookout. And then according to Bleeping Computer, these uh, same IP addresses have delivered lots of malware in the past. So this is kind of known bad locations. Absolutely. And so a, a nuance in this campaign that I found interesting was the mobile component, um, which also factored in this infrastructure. So how did the threat actors carry out this portion of the campaign? Yeah, it seemed pretty clear that these actors were actually going after mobile users first. Uh, the the actors uh, set up uh, multiple subdomains and host names to create very, very long domain names. And so if you look at them briefly and kind of mistake periods for slashes, they would look like real login URLs, these organizations. So like, you know, login.unicef.org.adfs.ls, right, blah, 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 the whole Microsoft Office 365 login, instead of having login.unicef.org slash ADFS slash blah, 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 blah. So if you had... Uh, if you're looking mobile first, so if you were to receive like a phishing link or something straight to your phone and you kind of click on it, you'd be redirected to a website, which, which then rendered with a mobile-aware JavaScript to render a fishy login page that looked like a real you know, mobile Office 365 page. And then because real estate is a premium on these devices, only a small set of that super long URL is shown, notably the first few characters, which then looks like the you know, login.unicef.org part of the, the domain. And then further, the attackers got actual SSL certificates for these domains that matched what they're talking about. And these are not like the cheapy Let's Encrypt ones, but ones they paid for. 
So this would mean that a mobile user would see the nice green lock and everything would look fine. And the, I don't know, like if I looked at this, it kind of, it might fool me. It probably would fool me. Yeah. And I'm curious too, just thinking out loud here, this is sort of tangential, but you know, if you wanted to look at the full domain name and path and host name, you would have to copy the URL and then throw it over to like your notes and if you have an iPhone as an example to see what that would look like, correct? Well yeah, if you like, you know, tapped into it and wanted to try to edit it, yeah. then you could like swipe right or left to read the whole thing. Okay. But yeah, it's that's tough. not something I, I tend to do whenever I'm like randomly surfing or logging into my work email. Right, absolutely. Um and Sean, it looks like there was a key logger embedded on those landing page that you're talking about. Can you break down this portion of the attack as well? Yeah, this is this is pretty sketchy. Uh, you know, so the bad actors may have not chosen great infrastructure, but the bad actors added some interesting uh, custom JavaScript to these pages. And this JavaScript uh, captured the user's email address and password without them having to hit enter. So specifically, they used the on key up JavaScript keyboard event to capture information as it was typed and then sent it over to a C2 server. So that way, as the user was typing their information in, the bad actors were gathering what they were typing. So if they typed in the wrong password, they'd still have it and could use those credentials like for other you know, attempts to get into other places. Um, yeah, so even if you're there and you started typing, you're like, oh, I don't know. As soon as you typed a character, they already knew something about you. Mm. It's, uh, it's sneaky. That is very sneaky and leads me to my next question, which is really how bad is this? How concerned should we be? Yeah, well, so it's a it's clearly a target attack on a few humanitarian aid organizations. So if you are in that nonprofit NGO space, you may want to be concerned. Uh, but then again, this is somebody sending you potentially a link of some kind that makes you log into your mail through a web browser. So if you already have like the mail on your phone, you might be like, wait, why do I have to do this? Why can't I just like click into my mail directly or, you know, click into my OneDrive directly? Like, why is it making me do this weird login thing. Right. But most people might not notice it. I mean, these fishers were uh, have been operating for, you know, 10 plus months in this campaign. So my assumption is it's gone under the radar and it's been pretty successful. And the keylogger in particular is kind of a new twist and it's disconcerting to me. Um, so it's, you know, reasonable execution on, you know, known bad infrastructure. And, and you know, this mobile first component is pretty interesting. Because maybe on your desktop, you might have good endpoint protection. But, you know, on your phone, you right. probably don't. Yeah, unless it's through your organization and you're large enough where you've got mobile mobile security there. Yeah. This is like, <laughs> this seems like deadliest catch status for these fishers here. This isn't your average Joe out there in a rowboat with fishing rod. I. They're up in Alaska. They're going for it. Yeah. These are big bad fishermen. These are big bad fishermen. Yeah, they're it's like it's like they're kicking a puppy, man. You don't don't oh. go after the humanitarian aid organizations. Yeah. That's just poor form. Agreed. Fish bad people. No don't. But <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna fish, fish wisely. Oh, I'll say think before you fish. All right, so Emily, I'm gonna start with you for the hoodie rating on this sucker. All right. Um okay question before I give my rating that's might be a dumb question but for the um, key logging element here um, like on your phone or whatever for example a lot of times I don't even know the last time I typed in my email address on my phone because it just auto 
fills, would the keylogger capture the whole thing or is it only going to capture, or does it capture on your phone at all? Ooh, that's a good question. So it depends on how the autofill is implemented. You know, so if you're using like a third party uh, plugin like LastPass or something, if the browser thinks something is typing it in, then it will trigger that event. But if it's just kind of populated through some other mean, then it wouldn't capture it. Okay. So mm, interesting. That's a great question. At least I don't think. Like, okay. you know, correct me wrong. You know, people out there listening. At him. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, you could. But that's <laughs> friendly. That's my thing, right? Because because it specifically added. used the the on key up event. Yeah. So if whatever fills the text box doesn't trigger that event, then yeah, because that's what I'm wondering. I think mine is just probably like Chrome or whatever, since I'm a Google like mm. everything I do. Google native. Yeah, and so um, I don't know if that would trigger the event, but it doesn't. It that that's that's going to be such a small portion of people that are entering this. But I was just curious as to whether that would be a way around it. But all in all. Whether or not that triggers it or not um, on mobile, I still think that this is, I think I'm going to do a five. Five? Yeah. I. Uh, it's it's very targeted up to who they're going after, and it's crappy who they're going after. Like, they're just, like, bad. I, I, I am curious as to the end goal here, I, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. Like, it just seems hyper-specific in a odd group of, organizations here i don't know what they're trying to gain after they get these credentials so log in and go after something presumably right. but i don't know what but um the and also the key log element kind of drives it up a little bit that's why i was going back and forth between a five and a six but i think the targeted like i think it's more of a five they're not like getting stuff posting it online like i don't know at this point since it's just credential harvesting i think it's going to I think I'm going to have to wait and see what the end goal here is before I bump it up to a six. And so for now, given the, the limited information we have on this campaign, I'm going to keep it down at a five. Okay. We'll keep an eye on it. What are you thinking, Sean? Well, so if if I were part of any of these organizations, right, and I mean, the one kind of like underlying theme across multiple organizations here is it's like United Nations or other aid groups helping, you know, people in other countries, right? So like, especially like children or Right. So it's like the food program and stuff. So, you know, if you're in one of those NGOs, this is like a seven. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially if you're doing a lot of stuff on your phone because you may be deployed you right. know, out in the country and you have only have your phone to kind of do stuff with. And you may not know quite what's going on. So to me, like for them, it's a seven. But if you're if you're not part of this world, it's like two and a half. And it's like there's the other half of the hoodie from before. <laughs> One whole hoodie has been made. I like that. Yeah. Very recycled. I appreciate that. Yeah. Zero waste life. Zero waste. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you both for your thoughts um, on that particular campaign. And now we're going to jump into a little bit lighter of a topic, I hope. And this is our two truths and a lie game. And so uh, basically every week we have uh, one person that's the dolos, if you will. And so they'll be coming up with one article title that is a lie and two that are real out in the world so we're trying not to be overly tricky here so sean just so you know emily's Mm -hmm. not gonna be like psych it was 70 bitcoin because that's a great emily impression um (laughs) sounds just like just like nailed it oh my gosh i was speaking (laughs) (laughs) and so emily is this week's dolos and so she'll be prompting those three articles and then she'll say them both or all three of them and then we'll each guess and then she will reveal the false 
article. Okay, so so I just just to make sure I get yeah. this right. Yeah. So it's so two two articles are true. One Correct. article is false. Yes. And we earn points based on getting things right. Hundred percent. You have to guess which one is false. Okay. And then are these my points or am I playing for Tarek in this situation? You are celeb shooting for Tarek. So if I mess up, he loses points? No, he just doesn't gain points. That's correct. There's no losing of points in this game. You either get points or you get zero points. Yes. Okay. Just want to make sure in the future, if I come yes. back again, yes. he's going to Yes, we get will upset keep track, me. though. We will keep track. Okay. Um, and then perhaps we can shove them off to their own little Sean corner of if points. If you start like gaining points left and right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming all on right. here, showing us all player. up. All right, Trash Panda's ready to play. <laughs> so is Punstress. <laughs> We're here. Uh, I am strangely nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so do I just read them now? I can read you like a plain text password. Oh, Lord. <laughs> uh, I am decrypting your thoughts. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to go ahead and read the two truths and a lie, and you can guess which one is the lie, as we just discussed. As I said, I'm strangely nervous, so I'm over-explaining, as I tend to do when I'm nervous. I don't understand why I'm nervous. Okay. <laughs> All right. Article number one. Developers commit cardinal coding sin. Vatican launches smart rosary complete with brute forcing flaw. Article number two. Ransomware. Sidecheck GPS navigation app infected with ransomware that denies users turn by turn directions. Article number three. Yes Bank files a police complaint against fake news, alleging it frightened off investors. Those are really good. This might be the best round really? we've had. Yes. Thanks. My heart is like, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so nervous about this. Ooh, okay. Do you need me to read them again? All right. So it's, so it's Vatican rosary problem. <laughs> the the summary, that, 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 Vatican virtual rosary problem. Um, GPS don't give directions and ransomware bank, bank scared off by from investors. Those that's the that's Would the, you like the, me to the, reread them one more time or? No, I think we're good. I think Sean has summarized it quite nicely hmm. in his own special trash panda way. God, they got to think about this like like who who would do such a thing like to block GPS from driving off the road versus why would the Vatican, you know, have a flaw in Virtual praying, like virtual, pr- like is all praying, not virtual. <laughs> Just uh, a quick ele- question, like there. electronic <laughs> praying, like okay. wireless Jesus. E-pray. I don't know. Yeah, like so this is this is crazy. <laughs> I'm, there's a lot to think about here. I'm trying to remember if that bank you mentioned yes, has bank. any. Sorry, what was it? Yes, bank. <laughs> sorry, yes, bank. <laughs> Their competitor, no bank, down the street. I wonder if that has anything to do with the Facebook news that's been coming up as of late. I'm going to say number three is the false article. Uh, can you... Mm. The, for the, the yes... Okay. <laughs> not for the record. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to say the Yes Bank article is not true. That's where I was leaning too, but I don't want to like take the same thing you do, and then we both have the same or different points. I feel like I should take something different. That's just, my strategy. Just from to last spread. Week, How right? did it work, Emily? <laughs> just kidding. <clears throat> Go ahead, Sean. Uh, for some reason, I feel like I read something about the the Vatican one, so I feel like that's true, or maybe I just read that they were doing the 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 whole virtual thing. So, but like, I feel like that crossed my. 
my thread, you know, like when I'm reading online. <laughs> but the the GPS one, I... All right, I will be contrary just so we have somebody get points and somebody doesn't, and I will oh. say the GPS one is the is the lie. And you would be correct. <gasps> All right, so Sean gets a point. Emily's Emily gets a point. <laughs> Kelsey gets zero points. Week three, I finally got one point, guys. All right, here's the update. Yay. One point, Emily. High five. Did everybody hear that? That was I hope. actually. I tried clap. to get it close to your mic. <laughs> yep. So Tarek has now taught. Shanik has three, Emily has one, and Kelsey has two. We have a full spread here, people. Things are happening very are quickly. Happening. <laughs> Let me clarify also, Sidejack mm-hmm. GPS has not had any ransomware infection. <laughs> when I was writing that fake headline, I like Googled a real navigation app to use the name of, and I was like, this is bordering on like bad. Because like, they had <laughs> no cyber incident bad. at all. So Could be worse. You up. could be hacking... NGOs that help children. Or committing a cardinal coding sin. That would be bad. Mm. That would be bad. By brute forcing your way into (laughs) God's goodwill or something. I don't know what these people are doing. Well, okay, with that, that's the end of our episode number 30. Um, But next week we have a special guest for you. Um, Zoe Rose has done a recording and an interview with us. Um, And so we'll be sharing that again next Wednesday. So we look forward to having you take a listen to that. And otherwise, just remember, (laughs) think before you fish. I guess that's the (laughs) the update from today. But hope you have a uh, happy and safe Halloween, and we'll see you next week. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter, at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click. <laughs>